So then he says to me that he feels bad that they had so much fun at the reenactment and I had to stay home with the kids. And so he says to me, you and Michelle should go. You should go antiquing. You've been wanting to do it forever. Just go. I mean, I really think they had so much fun that he actually felt guilty. That is genius. And we should make them go once a month to a battlefield. <laughs> you think there's enough battlefields? Well, the way he prattles on about the War of 1812, you'd think that it lasted a thousand years. <laughs> yes. Oh, look, there's a three-legged dog. <laughs> but let me tell you something. He's cute, and he could have way worse hobbies. Well, that is true. You know what? I am super excited to see you work today. What are you talking about? Well, <laughs> when you go <laughs> antiquing, dog. you obviously have some Jedi magic that you use. What? Because, I, yes, I, you know, I scour the internet for hours. I do all of this research, and you get in the car, and you drive to some little town in Pennsylvania or Vermont or something, and you come back with the best pieces and this has always mystified me it is so easy i just i go to whatever town i'm going to i park the car i get out i go and i find a little shop that is clearly owned by locals you know not some dudes that move there from the west village and are trying to make a cool shop right i go in i talk to them i get to know them a little bit i ask the right questions and mostly i just listen and before I know it, they're showing me the good stuff. I mean, great stuff, great pieces. That's how I find it. Really, it's just a matter of, you know, being quiet and listening and being patient and that's it. You are the coolest. <laughs> I'm serious, I love that. You just talk and you listen. I know. It is a novel concept. Oof. I should write a book. <laughs> Look, there's a Cracker Barrel. You wanna go there for lunch? Yes! I love Cracker Barrel. I love walking chairs. <laughs> Table for two, please. It's good to have you all here today. My name is Chris, and uh, welcome to Renaissance. And uh, if you're a guest with us, a special uh, welcome to you. And we are uh, in this series called The Road. And uh, basically what we're doing is we're kind of going through these foundations uh, of, of a Christian life. And... Uh, if you uh, missed last week or if you're first time here, I would just encourage you to go to renaissancechurch.org, click on messages, whether from your computer or your smartphone or iPad or whatever you, you use, and uh, watch last week's message because all five of these uh, messages, they all kind of come together because we just want to kind of paint this picture of, of in a Christian life, kind of in your spiritual journey, here's like five components that are just kind of essential for you just to kind of navigate through. And so last week we looked at the Bible being kind of your roadmap or your GPS. The Bible is there for you to not only know God, but to know what God wants uh, from you and for you. And this last week has been so encouraging. Just the different stories that have rolled in and emails. I got one email from a guy and he had this simple, simple idea he took the memory verse, 2 Timothy, and he put it on his calendar as this reoccurring appointment. Uh, and it just, he took a screenshot and it was across the top of his calendar. You could see his other daily appointments, but you saw it right there. It's like, it's a way for me to uh, remember to, to read it, remember to try to memorize it. And I thought about that, how busy all of us are. And uh, I live by my calendar. There's times I've dropped my kids off and I've gone to to, to get in the car to go pick them up, and I have to look at my calendar to go, where did I drop them off, right? I'm just moving at such speeds. And he's like, just put it in your calendar. I'm like, that's a great idea I want to share with everyone. 
Last week, after the 11.45 service, I, I was leaving the opera house. I ran out to the car. My wife was picking me up because uh, we had a flat tire in the, uh, on, at our, with our other car. And so she was picking me up, and I, I get to the car, and uh, she had this like puzzled look on her face. She goes, hey, honey. I'm like, what? She goes, are you forgetting something? I'm like, oh, that's right. My oldest child is still at the church. See the theme? So I come running back. I literally forgot my kid. And uh, so I'm running back in the church, and this lady stopped me, and she goes, hey, do you have a moment? I said, sure. She goes, I got a question for you. I go, okay. She goes, where do I start in the Bible? Goes, where do I start? I'm like, what a great question. So I asked her, I go, have you signed up for the road emails? And she goes, yes. And if you haven't, sign up for those. And I said, that would be uh, you know, a great five-week journey for you. Just go through those. But after that, I'd recommend to start in the, the Gospel of John, the book of John. All, all four Gospels are great, great places to start. Matthew kind of comes at it from this very uh, Jewish cultural perspective, which is fascinating. Mark is your cliff note kind of version of the Gospels. Luke was a doctor, so this this very systemata- uh, systematic kind of approach to telling the story. But then John is this very relational, very personal kind of account of Jesus' life. And I said, just start there. And then as you bump in and you, as you have questions, you know, email me, talk with other people. But uh, it's a great, great place to start. I was talking to another guy that downloaded the Version app. He goes, hey, Chris, he goes, do you know there's reading plans? I'm like, yeah, I just didn't have time to talk about the reading plans. He goes, so I downloaded a six-month reading plan. My goal is to try to get through the Bible in six months. I'm like, that's awesome. So it's just been so encouraging. And I just want all of you to know, just get in your Bible at some point. It, it doesn't matter about how much you read. Uh, it, you know, for you, like the thought of reading the entire Bible in six months, you're just like, that's daunting. Uh, read, read a passage a week. You know, take this week's memory verse and just, you know, spend some time there, but just get into it. Uh, one of the things I shared at the, uh, towards the end of my message last week, I was talking about just how I learn, how I grow. And one of the things I shared was that I learned from other people. And uh, sar- uh, Saturday night, uh, a week ago, uh, we have uh, what's called the project, which started last week. And so it was after the Saturday night service, and I was sitting right down here. Uh, w- with a, a, a group of people, and uh, part of the week one of the project is we read through Genesis 1. It's a, it's a chapter of the Bible that I've read many, many times. Very familiar with it. And so we read through Genesis 1, and then Clay, our spiritual formation pastor, he asked a very simple question. He goes, now, what, what did you guys see in Genesis 1? There's about 45, 50 people here for the project on Saturday night. What did you see? And I opened up my notebook, and uh, 10 minutes later, I have four, five, six pages filled with new insights, new thoughts, how people perceive and look. And I'm like, wow, this is great content. I'm going to steal it and use it one day. It's great. But it's just how God created all of us to see differently, come from different perspectives. And that's why it's so important for us to have conversations with each other. I just got an email uh, uh, from a guy from last service. He ran home and he asked, a killer question about prayer, what we're going to be talking about today. It's a huge question. So much so, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next week, to be very transparent with you. Because I think it's one of those questions that uh, I know I have personally really struggled with with prayer, and probably many of you have. And I'm just reading my email going, that's a great question. That's a great question. We probably should look at it. Well, this week, 
we're going on to the next kind of foundation of a Christian life. And like I mentioned, it's, it's on prayer. And what I know in this room today, uh, all of us kind of view prayer probably a little differently. Uh, how you re- were raised, uh, uh, maybe you pray a lot, maybe you've never prayed. Maybe you, you've always approached prayer in this very ritualistic kind of formulaic kind of approach. Uh, maybe uh, you find yourself kind of scared to pray because what if, like, what if I offend God? What if I say the wrong thing to God? Will he zap me you know, off the face of the planet? Like, what if I mess up in my prayer? For some of you, you just stop praying because you ask God for something and, and you beg God for something and, and he didn't give you what you asked for or what you begged and now you're hurt and you're disillusioned and it almost feels like God was just not even, even involved in that conversation. So today, it's going to feel like a, a, a fire hose uh, to all of you. I'm just going to give you that warning. Towards the end, we'll all take a deep breath together. But what I wanted to do is just kind of paint this picture of what prayer is and what it can be and what it should be for your life. And I wanted to look specifically at the one person who knows the most about prayer, who taught about prayer, who modeled prayer, who made prayer prayer kind of just the cornerstone of his life and it's Jesus one of the most famous prayers is the Lord's prayer and this is how Jesus started out that Lord's prayer he goes this then is how you should pray and for some people they've taken that line and then the following verses and they've kind of made this into their kind of formula formulas it's been more ritualistic in approach to prayer it's like if I recite this, if I recite this, if I recite this, then I'm praying. Maybe you think that, maybe you've been taught that, maybe you've interacted with other people that have. And the Lord's Prayer is a very important prayer, so much so that in the, the road emails this week, that's going to be kind of the, the journey through those emails is through the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus didn't mean for you just to recite the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. That wasn't his purpose. If that was his purpose, you would see Jesus every time he was praying throughout uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he would just be saying that prayer, which he didn't do. Jesus was speaking into a culture. On one side, he was speaking into a pagan culture that was uh, used to going into many different temples to many different gods, babbling and rambling on on these long prayers, trying to get their God's attention, trying to get their God's approval thinking to themselves, if I pray enough, if I pray loud enough, if I scream, if I keep going on and on, then maybe my God will take time out of his busy day to come and listen to me, this poor, lonely, old little human being. But Jesus was also getting into a Jewish culture. Then the previous several thousands of years has taken prayer and made it very ritualistic. And so Jesus' goal with the Lord's Prayer was just to kind of set this new framework around how you should pray. How to approach prayer. And it's important. But let me simplify prayer to all of you. Because this is really what prayer is. It's just having a conversation with God. And I hope you see that today. It's having a conversation with Him. This ongoing dialogue that God just wants to be invited into the rhythm of your life. So let's start probably at the, 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 the number one place where most of us probably spend most of our prayer energy doing. And that's what? 
asking God for things. That's usually how we leverage prayer, isn't it? I mean, that's just, let's be real. God, I need now. I'm on a time schedule. God, show up. God, I need you to move. God, I need you to do this for me. God, this is happening. I need you to do something beyond me. God, close this deal. God, land this client. God, work out this relationship. God, find me. God, do this. And we find ourselves going to God and asking. It's an important part of prayer. But for some of you, maybe you've bounced into the Bible, and you've read verses like, ask and you will receive. Ask and it will be given to you. Maybe you've been taught that. Maybe you've attended a church that says, yeah, ask God and he will give you whatever you want. And so you've gone to God and you've asked, and guess what? He hasn't given. And then there's tension in your faith. Is the Bible true? Is it not? Is the Bible correct or not? If I ask, will I receive? Or does it depend on God's mood? What he feels that day? You see, we jump into a verse in John chapter 14, he says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. And you're like, yes, see, there it is. It's in black and white, and it's going to get even better. He goes, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, so you may ask me for anything in my name, and what? I will do it. There it is. It's in the Bible, and it's not the only place. Like I said, there's many different places where it says, ask and you'll be given. Asking you will receive. Asking God will respond. So why doesn't God always respond when we ask? The Bible says it. Is the Bible not true? Does God not stand behind his word? It's a complicated question. We could spend hours and hours talking through this, but let, let me try to frame it this way. First of all is this. We have to understand that God knows what's best for us. And just because we ask doesn't mean that's what we should get. Let me, fr- let me frame it this way, if you're a parent. Your kids ask you for stuff all the time, relentlessly. Ask, ask, ask. I mean, what would happen if you just gave in all the time? Valentine's Day was this week. I'm one of the luckiest men on the face of this earth because my wife years ago gave me an out. She said, you don't have to celebrate Valentine's Day. I'm like, yes. And then she followed up and said, but I just expect fresh flowers the other 364 days a year. I'm like, okay. And so Valentine's Day morning, we, we get our kids a little something. We kind of celebrated Valentine's Day together. We love each other as a family. And so they opened up their little bag and they got this little heart box with five little pieces of chocolate in it. And you know what the first question was at 6.30 a.m. in the morning? Can can we have chocolate? No, you haven't eaten breakfast yet. No, you can't eat chocolate at 6.30 a.m. The next morning, you know what the question was? Hey, Dad, can we have chocolate? No, we really like your school teachers, and we don't want to send you to school hopped up on sugar. No, you can't. The third day, I'm like, it's a preemptive no. No, don't ask. You're not eating sugar at 6.30 in the morning. It's not going to happen, right? And you think about that. And let's just let's transfer that whole thought into an adult context with our adult rationalization. And there's things we go to God with. God's like, no, I'm not going to give you that. It's not the best thing for you. You might think it's the best thing for you. 
You might think that that's the best thing in, in your life at this point, but I know what's best for you. You see, God answers prayers in three different ways. The first one is yes, and we love when God answers it that way, right? We're like, oh, I love God. You're my best friend. Yes. No, now that, that's bothersome. Right? You're like, hey, come on, God. But we think, hey, we'll come out at a different angle, different angle, we'll get him to say yes. But it's just the third one. That's what's filled with tension when God says not yet. Because sometimes it's in the form of silence. Sometimes it's in the form of wait. I'm not sure for you, but man, I hate waiting. And God just says, ah, I know you want, I know you think you need, I know what you think your plans are, but I'm just going to say not yet. You see, there's something before Jesus says, ask and you will receive. That it's so easy for us to gloss over. And this gets us to the second point of asking. Listen, so that the Father may be what? Glorified. You see, we approach God most of the time in this very consumeristic approach. Eyes down, eyes on us. I need, I want, I need, I want, I need. God, come on. You're my, you're my cosmic genie. If I rub the lamp, you'll pop out. My first wish will be give me an endless supply of wishes, and I'll get on to my other wishes. And you see, G Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. This, God's not a cosmic genie. This asking you will receive isn't this consumeristic approach. It's about glorifying God. So how's your prayers glorifying God? How, how are your requests glorifying God? Which leads kind of to this third component, aspect of asking. Sometimes when we pray to God, it, it, it can move God's hand. We'll get into that in a little bit. But more times than not, when you pray, it's about God moving you. That's why there's so much power in writing down your prayers or saying your prayers out loud. I mean, it's fine to say them in your head. That's great. But when you start articulating your thoughts, when you start articulating what you're struggling through, when you start articulating what you're asking from God, we start hearing ourselves. And God can start going, really? Did you just ask for that? Really? Did you, you really want that? Really? Do you hear yourself? And God can start moving you. Sometimes prayer moves the hand of God. Most of the time, prayer allows God to move within us. But even before verse 13, there's verse 12. And listen to what Jesus says. Very truly I tell you. It's literally translated truly, truly. Whenever you bounce into that in the Bible, truly, truly, or very truly, it's this emphatic statement. It's almost oath-like in approach. Like you want to lean in and you want to pay attention. Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Okay, if you believe in me, you will do what I've been doing. Okay, that's the framework for what he says in verse 13 and verse 14. And they will even do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus said, hey, what you're asking for should glorify God. 
And glorifying God means that you're going to do what I was doing on this earth. So you need to know, what was Jesus about? What was his purpose? His primary purpose was to draw people to him. And then he talks about caring for the widows and the orphans and the poor. That's part of his purpose. So if you want to know what Jesus' will is, what he was about, get to know Jesus. You see, that's the framework around ask and you will receive. But Jesus also understood that there's needs that you should pray for. There's real needs in life that you should go to God. And that's why he says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for everyone who, who asks will receive. And the one who seeks will find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And he framed this entire uh, several uh, verses around an analogy of if you need food, ask, seek, knock. If you're hungry, go to God. Whatever your need might be, go to God. Now, food, for probably most of us in this room, isn't a huge need. We can go about 10, 15 minutes to Costco and buy a year's supply of apples or whatever uh, uh, other food you want. Right? You can go online and, and go to Fresh Direct, and they will deliver groceries to your doorstep. You don't have to leave your house. Amazing. Food a couple thousand years ago, it's a major need. So frame this around what, what truly is your need, not want, need. And Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. The ask part is easy. We get that. God, please, God, I want, God, I need, God, right? We get ask. But then you start thinking about this word seek. And I think what Jesus was getting at is as you're asking God, maybe you're not asking for the right thing. Maybe what you're asking God isn't what you should really be asking God for. So seek God. Seek him as you're asking. Go, okay, God, I'm asking for this, but maybe you want this. And then he throws this, this whole image of knock, that there's a door that's closed, and you're walking up to this door, and you have no idea what's on the other side, but you're going to knock. If that door opens, guess what? You step through. But if that door doesn't open, you go to the next door, and you knock. You go to the next door and you knock. And you discover what God's will is. And you might be sitting there right now going, oh, Chris, isn't that just double talk? And you're a pastor. You, you, know, you ask, but you might receive, but it depends on all these other factors if you do. So God can change his mind. There's all this wiggle room around it. Well, again, I want, just want to look at Jesus' life. And one of the most powerful moments of prayer is right before Jesus was arrested, right before he was crucified, and he's praying. And you know what his prayer was? God, please, I ask you, I do not want to die. I do not want to go to the cross. I do not want your wrath to be poured upon me. That's what he was asking God. But then he says this, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. 
You see, that's, that's how we approach God. God, I, I think, but your will. God, I think I want, but your will. I'm asking, but I'm also seeking, and I'm also knocking. God, your will be done. Help me to see your will. That's why Jesus said, if you believe, ask, and you will receive in prayer. But it's that if you believe, if you have faith, if you trust God, that God has the best for you, that God's plans are better than your plans, that God knows you better than you know yourself, and that God wants the best for you if you trust him, if you believe, if you go to God and say, God, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, but I'm going to be okay because it's your will, not my will. It's your way, not my way. It's your plans, not my plans. You see, sometimes prayer moves the hand of God, but most of the times it's about God moving within us. If you believe, you ask, and you receive. Jesus also talked about who we should pray for. Now, it's easy to pray for people we, we like. It's easy to pray for people that uh, we walk into the room and they, they're those people that encourage us and our friends, our family members. It's easy to pray for those people. And Jesus understood that. And that's why he said, hey, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Have you ever tried to do that? That person who has hurt you deeply? That person that stepped over you to get the promotion, that person that uh, 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 took that, that job or took that client or took that uh, uh, whatever you, you do for a living, that took it away from you, that stepped in through you? Have you ever prayed for a family member that has hurt you deeply? It's been part of my, my spiritual journey this last couple of years. When you start praying for those who have hurt you by name, when you start praying for that person that you hate, something amazing happens within you because God and hate can't occupy the same space at the same time. And when you start praying for that person by name, just watch what happens within you. First of all, you're going to understand God's grace even more and his forgiveness to you even more. But then you start realizing that that person that's hurt you, that maybe you need to extend some grace to them and some unconditional love to them and some forgiveness to them. And that's why Jesus said, no, pray for those people that have hurt you. But not only pray for those people, he says, hey, know that prayer, the power of prayer, pray for yourself. And he specifically talked about in the areas of temptation, just pray, receive God's strength, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Whatever you're struggling with right now, whatever that temptation might be, that addiction might be, whatever you're trying to keep a secret, whatever is just welling up guilt within you, Whatever like keeps you up late at night and wakes you up early in the morning and is consuming your mind and you want to get rid of it, guess where you start? Man, invite God into that. 
Invite God in and say, God, man, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. I need your strength in the middle of this. I need you. Jesus also talked about how we should approach God in prayer. He tells this story about two men. There was a spiritual leader and this shrewd businessman. And they both walked into the same place to pray. And the spiritual leader walked in and he said, oh God, look at me. At least I'm not that person. At least I don't do that. At least I haven't uh, uh, done what that person has done. He started pointing out what everyone else has done in their lives. And he said, but look at me, God. I haven't done all those things. And beyond that, God, I give a tenth to you. That's a lot. I'm all in, God. And I've taken this step further. I fast. Oh, God, look at me. I'm your straight A student. And then a shrewd businessman. This man that had made his fortune by cheating other people, had gone to his place uh, 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 in his position by stepping over people, by leveraging his position to gain power. He stayed in the back. And it says that he, just, he wouldn't even look up. And he beat his chest and he said, Oh God, what a sinner I am. And then Jesus followed up that story, that parable. And he says, Whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. Whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. And whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. So when you approach God, man, humble yourself. And that's praying by faith. It's, it's coming before God, saying to God, God, you're God, I'm not. God, I trust you. And whatever you do, I'll trust you. Because you're God and I'm not. And your plans are better than my plans. And your ideas are better than my ideas. And your purpose is better than my purpose. So I'm going to humble myself and place myself in the rightful place and keep you exalted. So, so when you come to God, humble yourself. Humble yourself. He also talked about specifically how we should pray. Listen to this. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Again, here's another moment where Jesus was getting into the culture. On one side, he's take, talking to all these Gentiles, you know, people who weren't Jews. He says, hey, Gentiles, you're going into your pagan temples, worshiping your pagan gods, and you feel like you need to get your pagan God's attention and so you ramble on and on and on you babble on and on and on and on trying to get their attention so that maybe they'll pay attention to you hey don't don't be like that but he was also hitting into a Jewish culture because in the Talmud there's a story about this pious Jew that prayed for nine hours it was kind of this badge of honor Jesus is like no that's not a badge of honor Ecclesiastes 5 says, so let your words be few. Now, is Jesus against praying at length? No. Before he chose the 12 disciples, he prayed all night and in, into the morning. I mean, in the garden, before he was arrested, he prayed so long that his disciples kept falling asleep. No. What he's saying is, when you come to God, man, be succinct. 
Have a conversation. Don't try to impress him. You don't need to use big words. Just talk with him. He's God. Just talk with him. Have this conversation. And he says this to how often you should pray. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. This parable, the story, I'll let you read it later. It's one of those stories that I've read many times this week, and it's been a challenge for me to kind of make my way through. But when you look at it, you're seeing that maybe in prayer you're going to be able to move God's hand. Don't give up. Keep praying. You never know. You never know what God might do. But pray continuously. Pray continuously. So what is prayer? It's talking to God. You don't have to worry about the right things to say or the wrong things to say. God just wants to have a conversation with you. You know what I have found? Just in my own Christian kind of uh, uh, journey. And there's moments where I'll pray for uh, at length. But what I'm discovering is that I'm just inviting God into the natural rhythm of my day. Man, before a tough meeting, you know what I'm saying to God? Man, God, give me your wisdom. Sometimes it's a 10-second prayer. God, I'm going into this conversation. Help me to see what you want me to see. There's times I'm walking in a meeting, and I know it's going to be a difficult conversation. And you know what I'm praying? God, keep my pride down. God, help me to listen. God, just shut my mouth long enough to listen to what that person's going to say. God, take my ego, put it on a box, put it on a shelf. Because if my ego gets involved in this decision, in this conversation, I'm going to mess it up. God, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need you to guide. And I find myself in this natural rhythm of my life. And it might be 10 seconds. It might be 10 minutes. Who knows? But it's just God. I'm inviting God into that rhythm. And when I invite God into the natural rhythm of my day, it's amazing how he moves within me. Prayer is not complicated. God doesn't want it to be complicated. Just like if you're a parent, talking with your kids is not complicated. God just wants to have that type of relationship with you every day. Whether it's seconds or minutes or if you have a half hour to squeeze in. He wants to be in the rhythm of your life. So right now, we want to give a space uh, for you to pray. And this is what I get for some of you, you've never prayed to God before. You're not even sure if there's a God up there. Just start. Maybe ask him that question. God, are you there? For some of you, it's been a long time since you've prayed. It's years ago you prayed, you asked, and God was silent. Man, go back to him. Re-engage with him. For some of you, prayer has just become just this formula, formulaic, ritualistic approach. Break that down. Have a real conversation. Remember, no matter what you say to God, He's not going to strike you with lightning. Like, it's not going to. 
He wants you to be that real, that authentic, that transparent with Him. So in this moment, have a conversation with God.